Well, Monday has rolled back around again, so it's time for another Monday pun day. You know, I always thought I'd make a good Gregorian monk. I just never got the chance. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life, the show that's focused on spiritual direction, giving you the inspiration and encouragement you need for taking those next few steps with Jesus today. I'm your host, Patrick Conley. Was it a good Thanksgiving weekend for you? I hope you enjoyed some good time and good food with family and friends and got to engage in some of the familiar traditions of Thanksgiving and maybe even add some new ones as well. In the Conley household, we did our usual thing. We went over to my in-laws and there enjoyed a bountiful feast with a total of 12 relatives and friends around the table before settling into the living room to watch the Packers play. Somewhere amidst the course of the long weekend, though, I picked up a head cold, as you may be able to hear. And it's not uncommon that when I have some downtime in my schedule, my body decides it's the right time to take on an illness. Well, thankfully, my current cold is little more than an annoyance, and I'm trying to treat it with increased fluids and rest. But something else I did this weekend was to visit my elderly father, who lives in a nursing home that's a two-hour drive away. The maladies he wrestles with are much more severe, including, amongst other things, cancer. And as I sat there with him, I was reflecting on his many physical ailments, and I found myself grateful, grateful that God is present, that he is there with him. Whether it's the increased stress around the holidays, the greater number of people we tend to interact with in close quarters, the colder weather, or any of a myriad of other factors, the holidays often bring with them illness, and sometimes serious illness. But God is indeed present, and he still brings healing with him. Today on the program, we're talking about the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Our spiritual director today is Father Patrick Hyde. Father Patrick is a Dominican priest and the pastor of the St. Paul Catholic Center at Indiana University, and he's also a National Eucharistic preacher. Father Patrick, welcome back. How was your Thanksgiving? Oh, Patrick, it was very good. Thanks for having me back. Um, I was with our Dominican community here in Bloomington, Indiana. We got to spend some time together and really have a nice, relaxing time and eat good food and uh, watch a movie and just, yeah, just enjoy our company uh, as brothers in uh, St. Dominic. Sounds great. Well, I am, I'm grateful that you've had the, the, a good rest of, and hopefully uh, you are heading back into the, the regular schedule here, ready and charging and raring to go here as we're talking about the anointing of the sick today. And Father, maybe a place to start is just uh, Jesus as healer. Where do we learn about, of course, we see that in the scriptures, but what is Jesus as healer? What does that tell us about the divine nature? Mm. Well, that's a great question, Patrick. I think well, one of the things we have to start with is that Jesus, by becoming a human being, comes in 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 his very nature as God and human to heal our broken human nature. So the incarnation in and of itself is about healing the relationship that is broken between humanity and God. And part of our relationship with the Lord is corporeal, as bodily beings, is not only our spiritual healing, but also the, the bodily healing that uh, we need from God, that sometimes, uh, you know, that is a result of sin and, and our brokenness in the world. And so when Jesus becomes a human being and, and brings healing to us, that physical healing that he brings is indicative of the eternal healing that he desires to offer each and every one of us as his sons and daughters through the sacraments, through the church, 
and through his life with us. Right. And I suppose at that point, too, it also acknowledges the the goodness of our corporal reality, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, it's saying that, you know, if a body were just something that was unimportant or meant to be thrown away, that just a shell for the soul sort of thing, that uh, that healing wouldn't necessarily be all that important. Yeah, I think sometimes we can get, you know, the, the, this is oftentimes the a dualist heresy. In fact, the, the Dominicans were founded to combat this, this dualist, yeah. one of the dualist heresies that the notion was that the physical world, especially the human body, was, was not a good thing. And we believe as uh, human beings that we have, we are soul and body, that we are both of those things and one working in relationship with the other. It's not one or the other, it's both of those things. We are ensouled uh, bodies. Um, and so we need to recognize in our own goodness that God created us in this way and that we, uh, our bodily reality is the way in which he desires to be with us, to save us. And at the second coming, it's what we will experience for all of eternity with God, to be with him body and soul, not just a soul or not just a body, but all of that working together with and living with him forever in heaven. Mm-hmm. And would it be a correct understanding, too, of the whole plight of things like illness and, of course, eventually bodily death as well, that this is all a result of the fall? This is a result of this was not initially in God's plan for us? Well, you know, the the nerd in me is saying, well, you know, what is God's plan, right? God God knew by creating Adam and Eve that they would fall. But, you know, we're no, not create. We're created to be eternal, right? right? And so we're created to be with God, body and soul forever. So God knows that this is going to happen. We're, you know, in a sense, we're created to be with God, body and soul forever. And that the deprivation of sin, the corruption of sin is is absolute. And so it's not just uh, a spiritual um brokenness, but it's also, it leads to bodily brokenness and degradation that uh, death, you know, we just heard this yesterday at math, at the mass, that the last enemy to be conquered, St. Paul tells us, is death. And that eventually in the second coming, God will even overcome that for us because death and bodily deterioration is a result of our, and connected to our spiritual degradation that comes from the fall. Mm-hmm. Our spiritual director today is Father Patrick Hyde. We're talking today about the anointing of the sick. Is this sacrament specifically important or significant to you? Do you have a story about you or maybe one of your loved ones receiving the sacrament and you experienced healing in one way or another? Did you or did your loved one experience healing? Give us a call and join the conversation. We'd love to be encouraged and inspired by your stories on our toll-free studio line, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Again, 888-914-9149. Or if you'd prefer, you can send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Father, let's just get into the sacrament itself then. Where do we get the notion of the sacrament? Uh, what is it, and where do we get the notion of it? Where Where is it instituted in Scripture, or where do we see that it is something that the Lord has given us? Yeah, so we see throughout Scriptures, in, even in the Old Testament, uh, the anointing with oil is a sign of uh, the outpouring of God's Spirit, uh, a, a, a physical sign of God's uh, anointing of the soul and the, of the life of the person. So we see that, you know, David, uh, when he's anointed king, he's anointed. There's a pouring of the oil. But in the scriptures themselves, in terms of when we look to uh, the institution of the sacrament, we see, we see Jesus' healing of people, not only of healing them, but also forgiving their sins. 
And then in the, in the, later in the New Testament, we hear St. James say that if there are any sick among you, you should call for the, the elders. The Greek word there is presbyteroi, priests, we would say also. And yep. let them pray over the sick people, anointing them with the oil in the name of the Lord. So even in the earliest church uh, celebrations, we see that there's this recognition and a need when we are sick to call the priests who bring Jesus when they act sacramentally to anoint and to heal not only the body, but also to heal and forgive any sins that are on our soul. Because mm-hmm. that's also what St. James says, is that if we are anointed, if the priest comes, it's not only a, a healing, but it's also a, a forgiveness of our sins. Okay. And uh, maybe I, I've been a Catholic for about uh, coming up, well, about 13 and a half years now, and I have yet to actually experience this. I've never received the anointing of the sick, and, and nor have I uh, actually been in the room when someone else has received it. And so, Father, what actually takes place in the anointing of the sick? Well, Patrick, there's, if you go into the, it's called the Pastoral Care of the Sick, it's the book that priests have that has the right for the anointing of the sick. And one of the things we have to start with is when we look in that is that the the church presumes that in the anointing of the sick, someone is going to uh, have a sacramental confession and be anointed. And if there's a danger of death, that they would receive Holy Communion. And so before the priest even goes to anoint someone or if someone comes to the church for anointing, it's determining you know, what, what state the person is in, in terms of their mental faculties and their physical faculties, so that the priest can hear their confession if they're able. Uh, and then after the hearing of the confession, if that's a possibility, then the priest would um, lay his hands, as a part of the prayers, lay his hands on the sick person as a sign of the outpouring uh, of the Holy Spirit. And then there's an anointing of the forehead and the hands, an indication that the, uh, the physical anointing of all of our senses. In the old right, they would. They would anoint all the different senses. Um, and so it's a reminder, too, that, you know, that it's, you know, the God comes to, to heal us in, in those different ways. And then if the person is able, after the anointing, they are, and if there's a, especially in the case of a danger of death, they receive Holy Communion. And so the beautiful part of the anointing of the sick is that it's such a, uh, a bodily thing, you know. It's very, mm-hmm. it's very sensory uh, of of all of the sacraments. I think it's one of you know, uh, in terms of our participation in it, it's really one of the the, the most intimate, if not the most intimate, because uh, we we speak, we receive touch, we receive Jesus in the Eucharist, um, and so it's a great, uh, it's a wonderful way for um, people to know in that sacrament that the Lord draws close to us, especially in our brokenness and in our sickness because of the way in which we interact with him through the through the particular rite of the anointing of the sick. Okay, yeah. And it is being a sacrament of healing. Can you talk about the different ways that anointing the sick offers healing? It's not just physical, right? Yeah, so uh, one of the things, I remember this happening uh, a couple of years ago. I was with a group of priests, and two of these priests were very involved in uh, healing ministry, charismatic things. That's not an experience I had had at that point, and they were talking about the way in which you know miraculous healings had occurred in some of the prayer services and anointings they'd been a part of. And hmm. I'm listening, and one of the priests turned to me and he said, you know, Father, do you believe that God really desires to bring that person all healing when you go to anoint somebody? And I had to, I had to stop and think, well, I mean, yes, I believe that. When I walk in there, is that something that I expect? There's a difference there. Like it could happen versus like I know that God desires to heal this person. 
And um, it really kind of challenged me when to go in to see how in the sacraments in, in, in generally, but in that particular anointing of the sick, God desires to heal us. And he, he does heal us. He heals us spiritually um, in the anointing of the sick. You know, if, if the person's unable to go to confession because they're too far gone physically, there is, an, there is a, a forgiveness of sins. If they're able to confess, that's obvious also. But then there's also the, the outpouring of the Spirit on the person so that the, the healing that that person needs in their relationship with God, but also with other people, is also healed. The first time I ever went to the hospital as a priest to anoint someone who was actively dying, I walked into the room and uh, the, 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 the phrase, the throes of death, was made very real to me in that moment because this person was thrashing about and it was a very uh, difficult thing for the whole family gathered in the hospital room to see a loved one uh, at the end of their life going through all of that. And and in the right, there's the laying on of hands. And it was one of the most beautiful things I've experienced as a priest. I laid my hands on this person's head and there was you could just feel this... Um, peace come over uh, the per the sick person and she sat back in the bed and we were able to finish it and I was told by uh, the priest who was her pastor not too long after that that within 15 minutes she peacefully went home to the Lord and so you know it was she miraculously healed there well not in the physical sense but maybe there was a spiritual healing that she needed in her life and at the very least she was prepared to see Almighty God free from yeah. sin and uh Ready to, ready to be with him forever. Okay, very good. Great story, Father. Let's take a phone call. Yolanda yeah. is calling in from Anaheim, California. Good morning, Yolanda. Thanks for calling in to the inner yes. life. Yes, good, good morning. Um, this happened like about two months ago. A friend of mine, he had a, a nasty fall, like a really nasty fall, and, and um, his head was fractured, you know, all bruised, black, purple, and blood. And he wouldn't want to go to the doctor, so I said, you got to go. So I took him to the emergency hospital, and right there, they said that his brain was bleeding. So his insurance didn't cover it. So he had to be transferred to another hospital where it take him 24 hours. And I said, I'll take him, I'll take him. So then I was going to take him to the second hospital where Kaiser, his insurance covered. But then I said, no, I'm going to take him to church first because I'm strong on my faith with God. So I told him, go to confession, went to confession, went to mass. And then I, I explained to the father that his brain was bleeding. And um, the father, uh, Father Broom, where he talks with you guys there, he's on Relevant Radio from St. Peter Chanel, he gave him the anointing of the sick. And then the father says, take him, take him now, you know, right after mass. Take. So I took him to the, you know, Kaiser's insurance. And they looked, the doctor looked at the first um, brain scan, you know, the, what do you call it, um, how they transfer it over. And then he took a second one. And then the doctor came in with his eyes open, his mouth open. He goes, he goes you know what? He goes, not only did your bleeding stop, but right here in the uh, x-ray, it shows that it, the blood reversed itself. Mm. And this happened, wow. um, those were the doctor's words. I'm, I'm actually quoting what the doctor said. And this happened like two months ago. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you yeah. for sharing. Yeah. So um, the experience of the anointing of the sick, um, I, I've heard stories myself. In fact, I've, I've heard stories from people who have actually received that sort of healing from the anointing of the sick as well. That, so just bearing in mind, going back to what you were saying earlier, Father, about the, uh, you know, expecting or believing that God is wanting to bring that healing, that there is a, that there is a, uh, 
yeah, certainly it opens the door to the physical healing that if God would provide, he may provide mm-hmm. it through that sacrament, right? Yeah, and he, he certainly is able to do that. And we, we go to the Gospels, right, and we see all these ways in which Jesus healed you know, lepers, he raised the dead, but there were myriads upon myriads of people who did not receive that kind of miraculous healing, but he still saved us all, right? He still did all of that for all of us. And so I think it's always good when we look at the the healing that Jesus desires to offer each and every one of us. It's an eternal healing. And if we are given that grace, that particular grace, that particular gift of healing, it's because the Lord desires for us to be able to bring him and that grace and that goodness more and more to the people in our life, to be able to share that good news of look at what Jesus has done for me, right? You know, the uh, it's interesting in the Gospels, what Jesus says to so many people that he heals, don't say anything about this, you know? And, well, why? Because he's, it's, and, and that's, that's always kind of a great mystery to me. But I think a part of it is that the fullness of healing is not just that physical healing. It's, it's available to us in, in certain circumstances, but really what he wants proclaimed is new life in Christ that has no limits, that in fact sin and death has been conquered, not just simply our bodily corruption. Amen to that. We are speaking today with our spiritual director, Father Patrick Hyde, about the anointing of the sick. Have you Do you have a story about someone, yourself maybe, or someone you love receiving the sacrament of the anointing of the sick and saw God's working in and through that sacrament? Give us a call. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. Or maybe you have a question about receiving the anointing of the sick and you have someone or you yourself are looking to receive it, uh, give us a call as well, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, life at relevantradio.com. We're going to head into our first break, but after this, we've got more conversation on the anointing of the sick with our spiritual director, Father Patrick Hyde, coming up right after this short break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at RelevantRadio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. My name is Patrick Conley, hoping that you can join me and the whole Relevant Radio crew because we'll all be live and in person at the upcoming National Eucharistic Congress, and we're inviting you to join us. Let's all show up for Jesus at this once-in-a-lifetime celebration. It's going to be July 17th through 21st, 2024 in Indianapolis. Check out our travel packages for the Congress at RelevantRadio.com slash encounter. That's RelevantRadio.com slash encounter. We're speaking today with a National Eucharistic preacher, Father Patrick Hyde, a Dominican priest and pastor of the St. Paul Catholic Center at Indiana University, about the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. And Father, back to maybe some logistics here. What's a good time to call the priest? I mean, that's, I think, a question that's on a lot of people's minds, is when do I actually know that it's time to call a priest? That's a great question, Patrick, and it's one that we priests oftentimes bemoan, is that people... They, they don't know that time, they, 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 the timing. is So I would say this, right? The, the church is very clear in terms of who can receive the sacrament. So it's anyone who is seriously impaired by sickness or old age, um, and anyone who's received a serious diagnosis or a change in their health status. Um, so if you're being treated for something and it gets worse, 
um, or anyone who is in even a, a near occasion of death or a serious concern about death. And that can even include, at times, going into surgery that requires general anesthesia. In other words, we want to try to be as solicitous with people as possible and also to have them participate in the sacrament as much as possible. So if you or a loved one has received a a serious diagnosis of an an illness that could be terminal, uh, you know, a cancer diagnosis or, you know, a serious health issue in some other way, that would be a time to be uh, anointed. Um, you know, and then another thing would be if, especially at the end of life, people are, when there's a concern about end of life, there's craziness, there's difficulty. If you're going into the hospital in an ambulance, there's nothing wrong with calling the priest, right? Call okay. the priest and let, and explain to him and let him make that decision with you. Cause we don't want to wait until it's too late. Cause the sacraments are for the living and yeah. it's always hard. You know, you can't explain it in the moment to a family that's grieving, you know, but we can only anoint people and give the sacraments to those who are alive. So, you know, it's, I think sometimes we fear that if the priest comes, then I'm going to die. That's the yeah, thing. Right. I've gone into the hospital room before a father. I'm not dying. Well, yeah, I know you're not dying, but you're seriously ill. You're gravely ill. You've been in the hospital. You, you know, you may be here for two or three weeks. Uh, we want to make sure that you're uh, not only receiving the healing that you need uh, medically, but also the healing that you need from the Lord. Uh, but we also want to be able to participate with people in the sacrament uh, fully in terms of giving them confession and bringing them uh, holy communion at the end of their life. Because God wants us to be fully and consciously prepared to meet him. So if there's ever a question of, uh, this is kind of the thing we tell our people, if if you're thinking to yourself, should I call the priest? The answer, should, the answer to that is call him. <laughs> If okay. that's a thought that comes, should I call the priest? Give him a call. You know, the worst thing that you know, I, the priest once said to this, he goes, you know, the difference between a married person and a, and a priest is, you know, in the middle of the night, something terrible could happen to a, someone in someone's family. Or for us, if someone calls in the middle of the night because they want to go home and see Jesus, we're happy to be woken up in the middle of the night. So mm. please give us a call. Let us know uh, so that we can make that decision for you or if need be, uh, go there. Because the church is, you know, it's kind of the... The language in the church in extremists at the you know at that extreme part of life we want to be as solicitous as possible with bringing you god's grace okay all right well that's helpful i appreciate that nancy has emailed in a question that i think falls in into this category too she says lots of parishes anoint sick and elderly parishioners during a mass if someone dies before a priest comes to the hospital or the home bedside or something like that is the anointing during the annual healing mass sufficient quote unquote and is it still a sacrament? Well, that's a great question. And the answer is, um, it depends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think sometimes, right, it's like, well, I, you know, it's, if someone says to me, Father, is X a mortal sin? Well, in the sacrament of confession, I can deal with that because we can talk about all the particulars and everything that's going on. It may be, it may be not, right? You know, it may have all the qualifications, but there was, a, you know, so... When we look at it, is this sufficient as a sacrament? Certainly when someone gets anointed, they are receiving the sacrament. The church is careful, though, to say that we shouldn't just be giving out the sacrament to anyone and everyone who is, you know, has a cold or is feeling a little unwell. You know, there has to be serious illness or advanced age. Now, see, this is the thing, right? Like, is it sufficient? Well, it could be. So, for instance, let's say 
that uh, my, you know, an elderly person comes to my parish and asks for anointing and they're 97 years old. And I say, well, that's certainly a reason, you know, you never know that the end could be nigh at any moment. I yeah. anoint that person and then a day or two later they fall into a coma, but, you know, hang on for two or three months and then they go home to me. Well, yeah, that would be sufficient because, okay. you know, and the, 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 they haven't had the use of their reason long enough, most likely at that age to most likely commit mortal sin. But I don't know in the particular situation. And so anytime someone is in the near occasion of, of death or there's a concern that that person may be making that uh, their, their final move toward the Lord, please call the priest so that he can come and give the anointing. Because we want to make sure that everyone is as prepared as they can be to meet God when we, when we die and pass through the veil. Sure, sure. Okay. Thank you, Father. That's helpful. Nancy, I hope that was helpful for you. Thank you for the email. Let's go to the phones now. Marianne calling in from San Diego, California. Marianne, thanks for calling in. Good morning. Good morning. I have a question about uh, my sister-in-law is in hospice. Um, She's very near death. And I have spoken to her about getting the last rites. Um, She and my brother no longer attend church they don't like their local church, um, so I don't think they're familiar with their pastor. And I did. I saw her recently. I gave her a blessing. I had some anointed oil, and she said, is that last rites? And I said, no, that has to be administered by a priest. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to get that to her, but I don't know if I overstep, if I call their parish and talk to the priest. I'm trying to urge my brother to do it, but I'm afraid I don't know how much longer she has. And I and I really mm-hmm. would like to see her get the anointing of the sick. So, do you have any advice? Well, I'm sorry to hear that about your sister, and I will certainly keep her in my own prayers and pray for her, uh, you know, conversion of heart and mind at this point in her life. Also, um, one of the thing there has to be a manifest desire for the sacrament from someone in order to receive the sacrament. Um, so we again, we don't just give out the sacrament because you know someone calls and asks for it. Like we, there has to be a a clear indication that this person desires it. So the best case scenario would be would be to just to call and and um, and and ask for a priest. And and you may even if you know a priest who'd be willing to go, you may explain the situation to him, and he may go and be able to have that conversation with her at this point. You know, the, the, and this would be the time while she's still lucid and has the use of her mental faculties to be able to have that conversation with the priest. So I don't think I'd be overstepping your bounds to call a priest, but I do think you should explain the situation to him so that he's able to go in. Because there have been times where I've been called to a hospital bed or something along those lines where it's not clear that it's the person. It's a niece or a nephew or a friend who calls. And I'll bring everything and I'll be prepared um, and part of the conversation is basically trying to encourage the person to make that act of faith so that you can give them the sacraments. Um, but not all, it's not often the case. Sometimes you get there and the person is unconscious, and so you're not able to administer the sacrament. Um, but yeah, I would encourage you, if you know a priest well enough, to make that, uh, that call, but also to tell your sister, hey, would you be willing to talk to a priest? I think that might be a good thing to start with and then to go from there. Yeah. Was that helpful, Marianne? And did you have another question as well? Yes, I do have another question. I do think she wants the sacrament. I think she's maybe embarrassed because she hasn't been to church in a while. Um, the second question mm. is about the apostolic blessing. Is that something that's only administered on the deathbed? Because, uh, or is it something that 
can be administered if you know that you have a terminal illness? Um, normally speak, yeah. So I, I there, you know, the, the, the uh, I, you can tell your sister this and, you know, you can share this with her. When we as priests get to reunite people fully with the church after many years away, that's the greatest thing we can do as a priest. You know, so like any priest would love to reconcile her with the church. You know, when you hear a confession of someone who's been away for decades or go to someone's deathbed and they've been away for a long time, it's it's one of the greatest gifts in the whole wide world. Um, and so just encourage her in that, that we look forward to that. With regards to the apostolic pardon, it is usually given at the time of a, a pretty much proximate a uh, part of death, right? So that's it's right there. If the person has fallen into a coma, usually that is when they receive that apostolic pardon. Um, so it, it I, I've never heard of it being given to someone at, at when they've been diagnosed. I've usually heard of it when someone is at the the moment of of death um, or close to it. So I don't want to overstep and say something that I'm not 100 percent certain of, but. I've always, I was always taught that the apostolic pardon is given when there is a reasonable certitude that the person is uh, in the process of dying. All right. Wow. Good questions, Marianne. Thank you so much. I appreciate the call. Thanks for listening to The Inner Life as well. Father, we have an, another email to go into. Um, she writes, Alexandra, her name is Alex, and she writes, she re- works as a registered nurse in surgical critical care, and so she often encounters those who are dying. She says she often struggles to facilitate patients receiving the sacrament of anointing, even if they are Catholic, and she, she runs into this problem because of a multitude of barriers, which she doesn't go into, but she goes on to ask, I'm wondering if you have any advice on how to increase implementation of the sacraments to Catholic patients in a non-denominational institution. Any thoughts? I mean, I guess my, my way of thinking about it is there, are there already conversations that are going on between the staff? Are they, I would assume that hospital staff whatever the institution, are fairly open and fairly knowledgeable about, well, this is something that Catholic patients desire. You know, uh, Patrick, I've been, in, in, and Alex, thank you for your question. I, I've, there have been so many different experiences that I've had that and like, it can vary within a hospital system from hospital to hospital. Okay. Um, and then also uh, most hospitals have a chaplaincy department, a spiritual care department. Uh, very few nowadays have a priest who's a part of that. Um, but you, in my experience, you know, the part of the, the work of, of a priest in a parish is building a relationship with the local hospitals and hospices and nursing homes so that you can more easily facilitate those kinds of conversations. Um, you know, reaching out to uh, that, I would encourage you and your hospital is, if you're not acquainted with that, to become more acquainted well, if there are spiritual care services that a secular or non-Catholic hospital offers, because certainly where I live, there are no Catholic hospitals nearby, but they have a spiritual care department, and they are very good at reaching out to a priest whenever a Catholic asks for that. So that would be the first thing, is to look at the resources that you have within that. But then, you know, also, um, yeah, just continuing to encourage them to pray for them, um, so that um, they can. But I think there's another thing here in terms of, of being able, especially in, in those who work in healthcare, of testifying, because I've, I've heard this from nurses and doctors, uh, to the efficacy of receiving the sacrament in terms of quality of life. Because I've heard so many instances where 
people are like the story I shared earlier about the, the woman who was in the throes of death, that receiving those graces, we just don't know the effect that will have on us. And oftentimes it has a really profound effect on us, especially giving us and our loved ones a sense of peace. Huh. Okay, very interesting. I'm learning a lot here. I hope you are too. We're talking with our spiritual director, Father Patrick Hyde, about the anointing of the sick. If you have a question about how the anointing of the sick is administered, or perhaps there's a specific situation that you have a question about, give us a call. Our number is 888-914-9149. We'd love to have you on the air with Father Patrick Hyde, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Let's go back to the phones. Kathleen is calling in from Michigan. Kathleen, thanks for calling into the Inner Life. Welcome. Hi. I'd like to share an experience we had with anointing. My husband was ill, was um, going in for surgery for a 10-pound pancreas. We were handed over to the surgeon of lost causes because there was 90% chance he was not coming out um, of the surgery. So we asked for a priest. A priest came. I'd never seen this, and I've been through anointing of the sick previously, but he sat down with us and our whole family. He anointed and gave the uh, blessing. We were able to receive Eucharist, and a peace came over our family like no other, mm-hmm. and not, not, never since. And he came out of that surgery, flying colors. He passed away three years later, just a few years ago, and we were given those three years I believe because of that anointing when he came out of surgery and we talked to the surgeon and I saw a tattoo of St. George, I knew we were in good hands. So it was just such a blessing and I would recommend it to everyone if they feel a family member is in need or in going into surgery because there's always that possibility and it brings families closer together. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for that story. One of the things that actually the very first thing that the catechism talks about with regards to the sacrament of anointing is that it's a particular gift of the Holy Spirit. And the first grace that we receive from the anointing is strengthening peace and courage to overcome those difficulties. And um, to your point, you know, to how it, it, it strengthened the family, one of the things we as priests strive to do, if it's possible, is as best we can to try to gather as many loved ones around the family as possible because uh, we want everyone to be able to participate in those graces. They're not receiving those graces, but graces are diffusive. They spread like wildfire uh, to those. And so just when we receive that peace through the sacrament, it inspires others to receive that gift of peace because they see that within us. And so, um, yeah, there's a great healing and a great peace and, and, and courage that often come uh, in the face of extraordinary uh, difficulties because of the sacrament of anointing. So thank you for sharing that. That was beautiful. Yeah, wonderful story, Kathleen. And thanks be to God that you did get an extra years with your, with your husband because of that anointing of the sick. We're grateful for the graces that he pours out in the sacrament. And that's our topic today here on The Inner Life, the anointing of the sick with our spiritual director, Father Patrick Hyde, Dominican priest and pastor of the St. Paul Catholic Center at Indiana University and also a National Eucharistic preacher. If you have a question about the sacrament of the anointing of the sick, give us a call, 888-914-9149. That's why we're here, after all, 888-914-9149 or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Our next break is up next, but we will be back with more of the show right after this.
If you have real estate or land you no longer need, consider the advantages of donating it to Relevant Radio. The process is easy, and the tax advantages can be huge. Learn more at relevantradio.com property. Back to the inner life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sendovich, our producer, and Thomas Engus, are taking your phone calls today. Our spiritual director today is Father Patrick Hyde, Dominican priest and pastor of the St. Paul Catholic Center at Indiana University, and we're talking about the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. So if you have questions about the sacrament, if you have specific situations that you'd like to talk over with our spiritual director, our phone number here is 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Father, let me start off this segment with asking any dangers or pitfalls when people search for healing outside of the church? Well, Patrick, within the confines, normally speaking, of medical science, I would say, generally speaking, I'm not, you know, there are some things, I would say no, right? Uh, Obviously, we should seek healing from the medically proven sources that are available to us. Um, we start to get into gray or even dangerous areas when we start to look toward other faith traditions for particular healings. Now, okay. another way that we can approach this, you know, with diet or exercise, things along those lines, you know, natural remedies, those would be, I would say, gen- again, generally speaking, normally uh, those would, wouldn't be a problem. But if we start looking to other faith traditions, uh, you know, Eastern religious practices or, uh, you know, the, the t- people tend to fall into new agey practices or things along those lines. You know, one of the dangers we fall into in a lot of those things, and people don't realize this, is that those can, because it's false worship, because it's, it's, it's idolatrous in some ways, that's actually an invitation uh, into our life of, of evil. And we need to be careful along those lines. And so, you know, again, when it's, you know, natural remedies that are, you know, or th- or medical remedies in, in general, those tend to be fine. But when we start looking at other religious or healing practices from other religions or, or faith traditions, we need to be exceptionally careful. And I would encourage you to, to not participate in any of those things without talking, first of all, with a priest to make sure that what that is. Because sometimes, you know, it might just be, breathing or or you know or something along those lines whatever but we need to make sure that if we're if we're doing some sort of religious or spiritual practice that it's in accord with what god asks of us so that we're offering right worship to god and joining him and being closer to him instead of being dragged away okay that's helpful father thank you for that i appreciate it let's go down to susan calling in from florida good afternoon susan thanks for calling the inner life uh hi did i understand you to say that um, the person needs to be conscious when they receive last rites. My son was given last rites and was not. Susan, they don't need to be conscious. It, in best case scenario, they are. Uh, but obviously there are situations where, you know, if there's an accident or a medical emergency where that's not possible. Um, so it's, it's possible to give someone... Uh, the last rites, uh, anointing of the sick, without them being conscious. It's best case scenario in practice if they are, uh, but the church certainly allows for in the near occasion of death or the, the the concern of that to be able to anoint someone again. So long as there's been a you know there's been a, a manifest display of faith that indicates that they would want the sacrament, so they've you know remained close to the church or things along those lines. 
that's the goal, not always possible. And so each priest, therefore, is required to make a, a, a prudent judgment based on the information that he has. If, if for instance, the person is alone and unconscious, uh, the priest has to go on you know, various criteria in order to make that decision. But it's certainly possible to anoint someone who's not conscious. Yeah. And I apologize if that was, uh, if you heard otherwise. Yeah. Susan, thank you for that. I appreciate the clarification question. And uh, I know we had an emailer as well who had that same question. So thank you for calling in with that question. Let's go down to Kathy calling in from Illinois. Good morning, Kathy. Thanks for calling the inner life. Hi, good morning. Um, I'm calling. My mother had passed away in a nursing home. And um, at that time, my brothers and sisters were all around. And I said, well, did she have her last rites? And... um, at that nursing home, they only had like a, a minister there that she had talked to actually that day. But uh, my one sister said, oh, she's had last rites before. Now, I don't know. I, I wasn't positive of that. And it, it was a, a, a little upsetting to me. But I know sometimes they do give last rites, like at some of the church services or if they go out, I think. Um, do you think that was the case? Do you think, you know, I, it just bothered me that I didn't know for sure. Well, I couldn't tell you the specifics because I, I don't know. But uh, in general, this, this, this happens in pastoral practice often. So, for instance, I'm, I, I work on a staff with a couple other priests, and we'll get a call, let's say, on Monday that someone is dying, and one of the brothers will go out and anoint that. One of the priests will go out and anoint uh, that person. Well, on Thursday, they call. The person hasn't regained consciousness, and they're actively dying at this point. The end is in. in so you wouldn't necessarily anoint again um, because they've already been prepared um, if they received it that close. But... Um, like I was saying earlier, you know, like it depends on whether they're prepared, right? Because uh, whether they've, in a sense, received it in that moment. They've certainly received the sacrament, but I couldn't tell you if they've received it that closely, not knowing all of the specifics. Um, so, yeah, well, that's one of the reasons why if we ever, like I said earlier, if you ever want wonder, should I call a priest, please call the priest so that the priest can get over there if he's able as quickly as possible to anoint someone who is uh, in the near occasion of death. Yeah, that's that's helpful and a good uh, the spacing out of the of the offering of it. And my understanding, Father, is that if there is a noticeable decline um, in between after someone has been anointed and if there's a, a greater danger of death, then it's not wrong to call the priest again. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct, Patrick. So, for instance, it's not uncommon for someone who has been given a cancer diagnosis, right. which may drag on for months, if not years, to request anointing after receiving that diagnosis. Now, if that person, if that, is an, if that ends up being a terminal diagnosis, at, a cert, at maybe even various times, this, this person's uh, prognosis may worsen. And at all of those moments where they get a worsening prognosis or have to enter into hospice, that would be an appropriate time to give the sacrament of anointing. The church tells us that it can be repeated if the sick person recovers or falls ill or during the same illness, uh, it becomes more serious. So it certainly is a sacrament that can be repeated. Um, It's not something that you you should be repeated. You know, it's not like it's... um, uh, you know, we get we get twelve months of voucher card or something like that. You know, you, you can only do it every so often. Right. But um, it you know any time that there's a, a turn in someone's health, that 
uh, is a reasonable uh, request to, for the anointing at that point. All right. Thank you for that clarification, Father. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Let's take another phone call. Christine calling in from Liberty Lake, Washington. Christine, welcome. Good morning. Um, I, quick question. Um, my mother, when she passed away, she had, was a victim of Alzheimer's for probably mm-hmm. 10 years. She was in a coma, and uh, it was just like something woke me up in the middle of the night and said, call a priest. Uh, we went, mm. We need to have the anointing of the sick. And uh, she had been in a coma about a week. She was anointed and died within a matter of hours after. Um, I, I ran to a, a girlfriend of mine, and she said that, you know, because she was anointed and not mentally there that she immediately went straight to heaven is that true well um we we share we have to make up saint paul tells us to make up in our bodies what's lacking in the sufferings of cross we, so we have to share in the fullness of the cross um so we can be relatively certain that if the person believe, like we, we don't know the person's heart when they die, only God knows that. But we can be relatively certain that if that person persevered in the faith, that they will go to heaven. They may be in purgatory, but they will at least go to heaven. We could, that's the, the power of the sacraments. Um, you know, so uh, when we, that's why we ask for that is, you know, because it's preparing us for that ultimate final journey to see God face to face. That's one of the graces that we get from the sacrament is it prepares us for our final judgment uh, by uh, remitting our sins, but then also giving us the peace and the courage that we need to face God. You know, your question also raises, or your, your, your story raises another thing about, <coughs> excuse me, about, um, mental illness and uh you know alzheimer's obviously not a mental illness but it, you know over the course of time it, it got worse and worse and worse and she became less and less lucid uh and so sometimes the, you know it, we have to make a judgment call on where someone is especially in, with alzheimer's or dementia but anytime it gets worse and you made the right decision in terms of calling the priest when you were worried that she was going to pass away um, but if someone has lost their capacity to reason then they can't fall into or out of a state. They can't fall out of a state of grace or into mortal sin. So therefore, if they've been, uh, if they've received confession and or anointing, then they're prepared to meet God. But there's been a question within the church is, you know, when people have s- sustained or severe mental illness, can they be uh, given the sacrament of anointing for the sick on that? And there are, there are various opinions on that, but uh, one of the things that uh, I've, I've seen and have heard over time is when someone has something like, you know, that would be a, a clinically diagnosed mental illness. You, know, you can't just come in and say, Father, I'm depressed, can you anoint me? But someone who is under the treatment of a psychologist or psychiatrist for severe and long-term mental illness, uh, there are times when you could say that that could even be um, because it may put that person in a serious position with regards to their ultimate health that they could receive uh, in, in that case the anointing of the sick also because uh, their struggle to, to wrestle with reality because of mental illness. So I wanted to share that also, even though that wasn't germane to your story. Yeah. It's a good question, though, Christina, and it's, uh, it helps us to understand the power of the sacraments as well. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Father, we've had an email and a phone call come in about having to wait a significant amount of time for a priest to come and give an anointing. Now, I have no interest in denigrating our good priests out there who are, you know, um, I know many priests who are, like you were saying before, like to get woken up in the middle of the night, and they're off and running 
at all hours of the day to go give an anointing um, whenever it's necessary, whenever it's needed. And so, but maybe I, I can understand where it would be a concern that if somebody's seeing somebody that they love in a distressing situation, maybe even under threat of death, and a priest hasn't shown up, uh, what's their course of action? Or how long should they wait for a priest to come and give the anointing? Oh, that's a, oh there's a lot to consider there. So I would just say this. If they're in a hospital or hospice situation, this is why a lot of these hospitals have a spiritual care department, so that those spiritual care uh, chaplains are in conversation with the medical team, and they will reach out to the priest when the medical team has said this person is actively dying or may not recover. Um, So that can be helpful, too, is in a lot of places they have that built into so that because otherwise, you know, when someone calls, the priest may have a million other things going on. There are fewer priests and more Catholics. And so, you know, the priest has to triage throughout the day what what he can or should be doing. And so, again, that's why it's important to call the priest as soon as possible if you know that there's a serious issue or something along those lines, to give the priest ample time to be able to get there, but also to to talk with the the care team, if there is one, as best as you can to understand the situation. Because oftentimes, you know, when I get a phone call, Father, can you anoint this person? I'll say, do I need to go right now or can I go later today or tomorrow? Um, And I'll try to get there as fast as I can, but if someone says, well, this person's just in there for X, Y, Z, they'll be there for a couple of days, I'll try to get there today, but I may not be able to get there until that night or the the next morning. Um, And so, you know, just being able to have those conversations, but also being able to to be uh, generous and merciful to Father, who's got a million other things going on, is also important. Yeah, yeah. And I, I can understand that, and I'm glad you put it that way. But it might be, on those of us who might be calling a priest, it might be even helpful to offer that clarification, even if it's not explicitly asked for, right? Like, they're going to be in the hospital for a while. doesn't seem too serious right now, but we'd appreciate it in the next few days or something like that, yeah? That's very helpful, too. And then if you know, okay, I'm going in for a surgery on Tuesday, yeah, and you're going to be at Mass on Sunday, email Father or call the parish office and say, I'm going to be at the 1030 a.m. Mass on Sunday. Mm. Would Father be available before or after Mass to do an anointing as I prepare for my surgery or whatever? And oftentimes, that's the best time or the easiest time, I should say, for Father to be able to, because he's already there and you're already there also. Perfect. Yep. I love it, Father. Thank you so much. Thank you for all of the great thoughts and reflections on this powerful sacrament, the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. As you know, we like to close our shows with a blessing. May we get a blessing from you, please, Father? Yes, let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord, we give you thanks for all the many healings and the blessings that you have offered to us. We ask you to intercede for each and every person, especially those who are at the near occasion of death, to send healing angels to them so that they might be healed in spirit, but if it be your will, Lord, also in body, and to pray for all those who are struggling with their faith. And may Almighty God bless all of you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Tomorrow on the program, we're talking temptation with our spiritual director, Father Sam Kachuba. Hope you can join us for that. Until then, grace and peace.